Hello and welcome to the back page of Video Games Podcast. I'm Samuel Roberts and I'm joined as ever by Matthew Castle. Hello. Matthew, it's a podcast all about Ace Attorney. We First we did the Zelda podcast where you had to exhaust all of your Zelda takes from across like more than two decades. And now <laughs> we're doing the same thing for Ace Attorney, albeit covering a sh- slightly shorter space of time. So how are you feeling yeah. about going over this series? I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Um, you know, I'm a I'm a huge fan of this series. And anyone who knows who's listened to this podcast, you know, I, I bang on about it a lot. But you know, I kind of knew that you know with the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles coming up that we'd probably do an episode. So I started like replaying things and just kind of really getting back into the whole kind of Ace Attorney thing and getting excited and hyping myself up for Great Ace Attorney. You know, I was already a fan, but I sort of feel weirdly renewed. And I don't know if that's, you know, specifically because I was prepping for the episode or just because it was, you know, about time for a, a revisit. Yeah, for sure. This has always been one of your sort of signature series, as it were. So in the first section, we're going to talk all about the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. Matthew's played an absolute ton of that. That was the mystery game he was alluding to a few episodes ago, by the way. The mm-hmm. um, the thing he was playing in the background. So Matthew's had review code for this for a long time, so can weigh in with detailed takes about this um, uh, kind of like historical Ace Attorney game. And then in the second part... We're going to talk a bit about the um, Ace Attorney series generally, do, do a bit of background and discuss the kind of origins of the series. And finally, Matthew's going to do his top 10 games in the series. So, Matthew, I suppose then, before we get into the rankings, how was that process of trying to audit which games are like better than the other ones? When we say it's the top 10, like it is the 10. You know, <laughs> it's, just, it's a ranking of the entire series. So it's, it's quite neat in that sense. This is like a, a weird series where I feel like there's quite a lot of agreement on like the main games of the kind of order they come in like a lot of the the fan chat is is around the same i do depart from it in a couple of important places um there's a couple of games which people really rate that i don't care for as much and then you've also got like the weird introduction of sort of the spin-off games the Leighton game, and I would also call this Sherlock Holmes a spin-off. You know, on those, maybe, like, your mileage may vary, and that that's kind of interesting. So, yeah, I mean, there's a few relatively conservative takes in there by Ace Attorney standards, but hopefully I've justified the placement of the kind of we- the weirder games around the edges. Mm, good stuff. I look forward to hearing that ranking, because it's a mystery to me. Um, I, Matthew hasn't <laughs> dropped any clues. I've got my suspicions about what will be number one, but we'll see. So mm. let's um, let's kick off with the Great Ace Tony Chronicles and Matthew. So these were long unlocalized 3DS games, two 3DS games that have been combined and released in the West. What does it mean to you that these have arrived here now on a you know on all formats basically? Yeah, I mean incredibly exciting. I and mean, it, it it wasn't just that they were untranslated Ace Attorney games, it's that they're specifically untranslated Shutakumi Ace Attorney games. Um you're gonna hear that name an awful lot um throughout this episode. He's the creator of Ace Attorney, like very much the, the kind of puppet master sort of behind the whole things. These are not games made by like massive teams, so the kind of fingerprints of its creator are, are like really clearly felt. But as the series goes on, you sort of split into two developer sort of timelines. Um Shutakumi's sort of sort of doing one thing and the, the, the rest of the team are doing another. So the idea that there there would be like two of his entries not coming over here was super depressing, particularly as it's a combination of Ace Attorney sort of universe gameplay mechanics and 
this Sherlock Holmes sort of Victorian London setting, you know, which I'm super into crime writing. So it seemed criminal at the time that we weren't going to get this. And, you know, I, I was trying to look back actually and find some of that original justification at the time. And the, the thing that comes up with this series a lot is this idea of um, localization difficulties or that they worry there may be too many uh, cultural boundaries so that's that's kind of that's kind of an interesting through line as well. But I always thought Sherlock Holmes, you know, why aren't you why aren't you bringing this to West? Everyone knows who Sherlock Holmes is. Everyone loves Sherlock Holmes. But um, now having played it, I can maybe understand where they were coming from. Mm, yeah. So in this game, that you play as uh, Rianovsky Narihodo. Hodo is that yeah, right? That's right? Yeah. So that's uh, so he's like the uh, you know um, antecedent of um, Phoenix Wright, basically. And Narihodo is the uh, name of Phoenix Wright in in the games right in the um, in Japan. yeah that's right so yeah the the yeah the setup of it is you're playing as phoenix Wright's ancestor it would probably make more sense to the japanese audience because over there ace attorney is set in japan and yes he is narahodo as well so it makes sense but you can sort of it it, it doesn't like draw that line too distinctly like obviously if you know it you know it but it's not like there are loads of kind of call forwards, or you know, not call backs, but references to that, to those later games. It's it's pretty sort of self-contained. Yeah, there's no um, sort of like uh, London Bobby equivalent of um, Gumshoe, for example, Matthew, or any. There are, but because the stories are quite tropey. Like there is a detective hmm. who wears like a Mac. He's a bit more like gumshoe but it isn't i wouldn't say like he's intended as a like a direct reference i will say actually up front for those that are, are worried i am going to avoid any like major spoilers talking about grace ace attorneys because that is out today i think the, the day you're listening to this episode i i know as a fan what i wouldn't want spoiled so i'll be very careful don't worry if you're listening to this episode you're in safe hands <laughs> mm, yeah so it's actually um it seemed like it was reasonably priced on switch as well i think it's something like 34 quid i should have double checked that before we recorded this but which is kind of crazy because it's two games i'm this is massive so it, it took me over 60 hours to get through this on a very crude like pound per hour kind of um <laughs> you know comparison that's 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 pretty great value like i i would have like genuinely happily played paid 50 quid for this what i found funny matthew is when i came around your house a few weeks ago you said to me oh i've got about like 90 work things going on at the moment and i'm massively behind and then you said i'm massively behind because i've done nothing but play this game so <laughs> even though it's very long then you found it quite moorish like i said i just just been waiting for this and you know when i get when i get these games i just i just have to devour them you know it's it's been the same with all the all the newer ones like i've just played them super intensively and they you know the nature of the stories like they're very layered they're very tangled like they don't suit big gaps not that i would have taken like weeks between playing it or anything it you know it has this kind of uh, i don't know, sort of like momentum to it in that you know every case kind of sort of ends on a bit of a cliffhanger for the next case and you want to get straight into it i mean that's kind of a classic ace attorney thing is that you have this moment of victory in court and then there's always a little bit of sort of uh, sort of monologue afterwards where he's like you know as we celebrated that uh you know little did i know but something really awful was going to happen tomorrow um <laughs> uh, which you know could be a bit hackney but i i think it's that's quite a sort of fun part of this world mm, yeah for sure so i think it's really interesting the point that you make about how uh these run in a kind of parallel timeline to the um mainline 3ds entries the two entries uh dual destinies and spirit of justice so 
I suppose, like, in terms of how it differs as a sort of Ace Attorney experience, what are the, the differences between, like, how Capcom did those mainline entries and how uh, Shu Takumi and his team did this one? The, the time difference is obviously, that's a really big factor. I mean, this, this really leans heavily into the restrictions of the period and being in the 19th century and it's kind of about crime in that era which obviously the games set in modern day don't have i'll go into that in a bit more detail but i would say very broadly the split you get is that there are, there are basically two creative leads in the ace attorney universe now you have shu takumi who does Ace Attorneys uh, 1 through 4 and basically goes off to do Ghost Trick. And at that point, the kind of creative lead becomes Takashi Yamazaki. He kind of trains under Shutakumi and is sort of the heir apparent. Shutakumi writes Apollo Justice, uh, but Yamazaki is the kind of like planner on the game. So he's there and he kind of, he sort of fills in some of the gaps. He writes, this is quite nerdy, but like in the investigation sections in the Ace Attorney games, you can kind of click on the background and get all these like silly little in jokes. And Takumi kind of delegates some of that to him. He writes some of the text in courtroom when you get things wrong, you know, so, so Takumi's kind of doing the, the sort of through line of, of the kind of campaign. And then you've got Yamazaki doing the stuff around the edge. And then he sort of takes over the series and makes Ace Attorney Investigations, which is the Edgeworth spin-off. He does two of those, and then he's the lead writer on Ace Attorney 5 and 6. So the producer of the whole series, like, specifically references this in that he says, I think there are fans of, like, Takumi's games and Yamazaki's games. Like, they are separate things. Hmm. Where they differ is that, I'd say, Takumi's cases are they're slightly simpler not not in a bad way but they're kind of kind of purer cleaner mysteries Yamazaki stuff is like a lot more convoluted I'd say it leans like a lot more into the the very mad tangled sort of flavor of Japanese crime fiction where Takumi's stuff has always been like a lot more influenced by like British crime writers he himself says Sherlock Holmes the father brown books are like two big inspirations and they're not as like nutty you know they're not as like impossible crime kind of scenarios which is more like Yamazaki's thing you know without getting too deep into it that's like the philosophical difference between (laughs) at the heart of of the two sort of strands and obviously because Takumi is influenced by British crime getting to play in Victorian London is obviously you know he goes wild you know in this game he really leans into it it doesn't feel like just an Ace Attorney game in London. It really feels like a a proper bit of like Sherlock Holmes storytelling. You know, the the all a lot of the cases kind of lean into like technology of the time. Like he's clearly done loads of research about you know what was happening in London at the time. Kind of there are moments where it almost feels like he's giving you like a bit of a history lesson in Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. There's genuinely a prolonged bit of dialogue where they explain the concept of the window tax. That didn't happen in Ace Attorney. And that is kind of, I feel, attached to what he did in Professor Layton, which was where he was trying to make Ace Attorney work in the kind of rules and setting of the kind of Layton verse. And I feel like that kind of gave him the kind of tool kit to come and do this game. I, I'd say this has a lot more in common with that than it does the earlier Ace Attorneys. So in in ter- terms of like accounting for the setting, obviously the um, the, the art looks like it was a massive undertaking for them creating this uh, Victorian London setting. But I was curious, Matthew, what did they add in terms of like mechanics to account for the change in time period? The two big sort of mechanical sort of show pieces here are that in the, in the court system, 
you have a jury rather than just a judge. And so the whole concept is that you're trying to sway these six jurors if they if they ever sort of sway to not guilty. And I will say, like, this is all very scripted. It's not like a simulated <laughs> court system. It's, you know, everything happens exactly when it's meant to happen in an Ace Attorney game. But the sort of setup is, is that if all the jurors say, say guilty, you have to then like directly appeal to them and try and like talk them around so that the trial can kind of continue which is quite fun because it's it plays to the strength of the series is it basically means there's another six like weird characters in every case and you know they're quite they're, you know they're a big bunch of weirdos the jurors and it's also like a sort of hot seat round where you're having to find lots of like micro contradictions between what the jurors think the core idea of ace attorney is that you're in trials listening to witness testimony and you have to find the contradictions by presenting evidence so where the jury system differs is that you're comparing juror statements to find contradictions other big uh, distinction is that in the investigation periods which sort of happen between the trials you're obviously working with Sherlock Holmes and he kind of busts into the scenes and does these sort of deductions very sort of Holmesian deductions where he kind of points out all these minute details but the kind of joke here is that he's kind of like an idiot Holmes and you then have to kind of correct all you know everything he's made all the assumptions and they're quite weird I wouldn't go as far to say that they're like difficult puzzles he basically points at a thing and then you look around the scene and say actually I think it's this thing is important instead and there's only like two or three options like it's it feels quite hard to fail them but they're more just like these sort of mad character sort of set pieces i mean they're really like amazingly choreographed um because he's sort of dancing around and there's always sort of theatrical stage lighting that kind of highlights different bits of evidence um it's like and i think we'll probably get to this in a sec but it's 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 one of the few bits of the game where like i actually kind of wish it was on 3ds because by 3ds standards like it would have been technically like super super impressive. So Matthew, if I was to ask you to like just give me maybe like the tutorial case in this game, just a, a kind of sample case to give me an idea of what sort of things you're up against in this setting, what would um what would you pick out? So I, I'd say all of the cases they sort of lean into his, his, the historical setting, as I've said before. I mean that does mean that some of the actual like murder methods are quite old fashioned. Like there's a lot of quite simple like shootings and stabbings here. It's not massively elaborate, but what he, what he does that's really nicely is he then sort of weaves in historical details. So like that you know the the sort of the tutorial case of the first game is set in a restaurant. And uh, someone's been shot and there's all the kind of logistics of where they were shot from. Um, But there's also the kind of the the nature of the restaurant, the the kind of the weird clientele who are kind of tied to the period because the opening case, it opens in Japan rather than London. And there's some stuff in there about the kind of tensions between the British Empire and Japanese Empire and not in like a super super heavy way but you know there is some stuff about how visiting Brits are kind of treated in Japan which adds a few wrinkles to the case so I think that's what he really does throughout is he kind of takes quite classic ideas but then he kind of layers them up with things which are very specific and true to the period which which is what i think kind of delivers that you know it feels quite sort of authentic and and kind of um wrapped in the time period which i like 
it, it really feels like someone who's been waiting to do this game for a long time and has basically like amassed this huge sort of database of historical detail and knowledge of the time and is just sort of ready to kind of put it up all on screen. I and mean, if it has a flaw, like there are bits where it maybe goes a little bit overboard with that. There's characters who sort of talk at great lengths about all this quite weird stuff where you're like, oh, I'm not sure I need like London gas meters explained <laughs> or like the the complex workings of pawnbrokers. But it's just, it, there's you can sense that there's like a, a giddy fan behind it who's kind of maybe lost like a little bit of self-control over that. Mm, yeah, I've done the research and it's all going in this game no matter what. I, I can't really see it as a criticism of that like Shutakumi is going like super hard on this game like that's fundamentally a good thing it's it's got a bit there's there's a sort of edge edge to it i mean i sort of mentioned it there this thing about the tension between like britain and japan like there's quite a lot of characters who are basically just racist towards the main character in this and that's quite a a, like a delicate balancing act for a game which is quite light-hearted and fun to have all these sort of sort of bigots who are like quite sneering villains towards Narahodo and they keep talking about you know this stupid little Nipponese man and all this kind of stuff and at times you think like there is a version of this where this goes wrong and it and it's just quite a bitter unpleasant thing to play mm. but it it sort of definitely avoids it I think it you know generally like racists in this game kind of gets what get get what's coming to them and it kind of adds to the fun of um sort of bringing them down but like uh, you know i wonder if that is some of the stuff where like when they originally made the game and decided not to localize it maybe if that stuff that's what they're talking about like the cultural differences Mm. like it's sort of fiercer in a way than the other ace attorney games like that that's like a real world concern rather than like a dumb fictional thing which this kind of universe has been up until now yeah i quite like that as a kind of um little sort of touch of oh let's face it that is that was definitely going to be the reality of that time in britain and yeah um, yeah but it's not like it's not too hand-wringy about it and like there's a lot of there's a lot of good eggs and the other thing that's quite strange is that as well as sherlock holmes there's quite a key role for a japanese author called uh natsumi sasaki who is a real person like as far as i can recall this is the only real person who's been in an Ace Attorney game. Like he is a he's one of Jap- Japan's like most acclaimed authors. He wrote a book called I'm a Cat. I've I've heard of him because Catherine's read some of his books and has you know has them on the bookshelf. But that's that's kind of super niche. That's the kind of thing which in the early days of Ace Attorney you think they would have just localized out. Yeah, I wonder if that's just because like um, I don't know. I suppose. Uh, anime is so pervasive here japanese culture generally is just like is is so far from being i don't know even uh, considered a niche proposition for like a western yeah. audience it's just it's yeah. like baked into it's baked into our culture now in the way that maybe yeah oh uh, yeah I, th- I think that probably is th- probably is the case but even then like whenever that character pops up you do have this sneaking suspicion that you are missing out on just heaps of kind of ingenious in jokes right like the way he speaks i think is like a lot of quotes from his books and there's references to his writing style and and i i imagine like an awful lot of work went into that character but he is maybe like one of the harder elements that came to kind of appreciate um as a western player well maybe catherine can enjoy um enjoy this yeah well she does she's like oh yeah that's this and this you know these are all yeah callbacks to i'm a cat so 
<laughs> okay, that's cool. So, yeah, I was curious, Matthew. I've got um, one last question to ask you about this um, uh, in terms of like uh, how it plays on the Switch, which I know is how you've been um, reviewing this. So, hmm. but I was curious if the longer cases is that like um, any kind of problem in terms of pacing? Do you think it's fine that they um, they made that choice? Because sometimes I feel like losing momentum with a case is what has slowed me down from like getting through a Phoenix Wright game before. So do you think that that's a problem at all here? There's one case, annoyingly, like the last case of the first game is quite slow. That's the only one where I think they get it really wrong. And, and I think the, the, not even wrong is probably too strong a word. The mistake they make is that they kind of, they have the whole investigative section at the start of the case, and then it's a massive trial. When I'm doing the trials, like I'm so into it, like the time element of it and the pacing of it doesn't doesn't matter as much. It's more like how they deal out the exposition in between. And this feels like a huge exposition dump at the start of the case. I mean, there's so much stuff they kind of tell you and introduce that they then kind of have to reintroduce it when you're in the in trial. And you think you could have probably just introduced this in the trial section instead. They are long, though. I mean, that's why I play it on Switch. Like, I, I honestly don't think these are very good games to play on console, like on a PlayStation or on PC. Like, I tried playing a chunk of the Ace Attorney trilogy when it came out on PC, and it's just... Um, I don't know if it's just not dynamic enough, but like sitting at a desktop isn't how his story is meant to be consumed, like slouched on a sofa or playing before bed. I mean, it is a handheld game and I kind of, you know, alluded to it earlier, but it is a bit of a shame that this this isn't also on 3DS's collection. I know that they wouldn't because 3DS is now like not a going concern. I I would just love to have played this on the the handheld it was clearly designed for. Hmm. Yeah, I was. I feel the same way, really. I've always like strongly felt that Phoenix Wright, more than anything else, is a DS. Uh, that's where its lineage is. DS is just where you're meant to play it. I've always thought yeah. that. Whenever I've seen a mobile version with slightly dodgy artwork, it's like I know that just there's just something about this series that fits that fits that form so so well yeah um, so uh, even though even though matthew i thought that this still looked pretty good in the trailers and stuff do you think in terms oh, yeah. of interface you take any kind of um knock that knocks without being able to look at your you know evidence while um also kind of um, reading text on the screen above which was Not... always the advantage of how they did it on ds it's it's like very elegantly ported to a single screen like that definitely isn't a problem there are just moments where this was clearly meant for a 3d screen like there are animations where people like throw stuff at the screen and there's a lot of well there's obviously a lot of pointing but there's 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 some characters you think oh well that that idea or that gimmick would really come alive in 3d i mean there's there's like quite a key moment in one of the cases which hinges on stereoscopic 3d like because that has obviously sort of been invented at the time you had stereoscopes and like i actually don't know how it would have worked on 3ds but like the game literally gets you to like cross your eyes and like move closer to the screen to make images overlap so that something pops out right. <laughs> and you think wow like that's so made for like it's like an in joke i think about mm. like the birth of 3d so there's stuff like that which is lost mm, okay interesting well that's um sounds like it's a uh, two thumbs up from you regardless matthew so um... yeah yeah yeah, so I was one small final thing then. Like, do you think this is a good entry point for someone who hasn't played these games before, or would you recommend starting with the Phoenix Wright trilogy? You could jump in here. It doesn't require, like, narratively, it doesn't require any previous knowledge because there are, you know, 
you know, all the other characters aren't born yet. I would probably still recommend playing the Ace Attorney trilogy first, just so that you can get some of like the in jokes and some of the some of the references throughout the series. The tutorial case you're always up against uh, Winston Payne or other members of the Payne family. And in this, it's one of his ancestors. And there's a big running joke in the series about whenever uh, the Paynes lose. Um, in Japanese, he's called Ouchie, which is quite funny. Um, he, um, They lose their like hair or they lose more of their hair every time they lose. And there's like quite a there's there's quite an excellent gag about that in this game, too. Um, across the two games, which I really, really enjoyed. Mm, okay, cool. Okay, one very final thing, Matthew. So, yeah. this um, do you think that the lack of familiar characters is uh, is is makes it a bit of a challenge to kind of? I suppose what I'm saying is like there's a huge advantage to making a new Phoenix Wright game because obviously people know him and his universe. Do you think this? Um, does it take any extra time to kind of get ingratiated with its characters or do you think it has its own charm in that regard? It, it definitely has its own charm. I mean, the second game of the two, Resolve, is much stronger just because it, it basically does the classic Ace Attorney thing of all the characters it's introduced in the first game. You know, it doesn't really have to reintroduce them. It, it goes straight into it. They're all established. Their relationships, they're, you know, there are bigger twists and turns. You know, in the course of two games, I think he establishes them enough that he can play with them by the end of the second game, and they're doing some quite weird stuff, which is, which is, you know, one of my favourite things about the Ace Attorney games is how characters sort of snowball and evolve over the different games, and even in the course of two games, he still achieves that here. I mean, I won't spoil what it is, but there's, there's, there's like a moment in the, I think it's the last or second to last case of of the second game where it, it delivers this sort of big reveal about something that's been hanging over the whole game. There's, there's a bit of a mystery about Sherlock Holmes, and there's quite a twist to the kind of classic Sherlock Holmes sort of lore quite close to the end. And it is just such an awesome bit of fan service, and it plays this amazing bit of music. It really, like, I was playing on a train at the time, and I was, like, I had to stop myself going, like, yes, this fucking rules! <laughs> you know, I was so, like, pumped by this moment. Um, and, you know, na- having now looked into, like, the Japanese versions of the games, like, there's loads of, like, fan stuff about this particular thing as well. Mm. So, like, it's a long old game, but by the end, it... it does really deliver the kind of full sort of ace attorney experience you know the characters all have like an arc everything kind of ties up there are some fun twists you know you know it's established its characters enough that it can start subverting them itself and that's like classic ace attorney stuff so um yeah it it, it's sort of if you stick with it i think it gets there okay great stuff well there we go the great ace attorney chronicles that's available now on Nintendo Switch, PC, and I think PS4 and Xbox yeah, One. No well. Xbox. What is oh, that? No Xbox. What? That's so weird. <laughs> it's bizarre. Yeah, I do know that the um, the trilogy, uh, according to a Capcom leak, sold the best on Switch by miles. So, um, yeah, but uh, weirdly successful this series. It's um, yeah, yeah. Got an enormous fan base um, thanks to that uh, that collection. I think so. They. I hope this one sells mega as well, just so they keep making Ace Attorneys because it is a bit of a mystery. It's like what Shutakumi's doing at the moment. Right. Yeah. Sure. Okay, great stuff, Matthew. Let's take a short break then, and we'll come back with a bit of background about the uh, Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney series just to set up the uh, top ten that we're going to do. Let's do it.
welcome back to the podcast. So, in this section, we're going to talk a bit about our first encounters with the Ace Attorney series and a bit about the background of the making of the um, of the series. So, Matthew knows a lot about that as one of the primary um, sources on some of the information sort of surrounding the series. So, you know, we've got quite a lot to dig into here. But Matthew, let's start then with our first encounters with Ace Attorney. Why don't you go first? Yeah. So this uh, maybe the reason I have such an nostalgic tie to it is that when I found out I'd got my job on Endgamer, the first thing I did was go out and buy myself a DS because I didn't own one at the time. So I went out and bought a DS Lite, and the game I bought with it was was Ace Attorney because I'd heard about it but I hadn't played it so this combination of like a you've just got your dream job b you've just bought a fun toy and c you've just discovered this thing which is like just you just click with so quickly it it kind of combines and locks that game in as like quite a importative important formative game for me I realise that isn't how everyone comes to play Ace Attorney, uh, but uh, yeah, and from that point on, like we just had such a healthy flow of the new games. You know, they they seem to be coming out. I mean, it was less than a year between some of them. You know, we got uh, Trials and Tribulations and Apollo Justice. I think they were reviewed opposite each other in the magazine. They were so close together. In fact, yeah, it was just a, an instant love and a habit that was just very healthily fed by Capcom. Yeah, so I had a similar encounter with uh, Ace Attorney minus the um, getting a job bit. Um, that was uh, a very Matthew Castle-specific element to, to that story. <laughs> but I um, I think it was March 2006 that the um, DS Lite launched. It was around that time. And I went and bought a DS Lite with two games. I bought Animal Crossing uh, Wild World and Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney. I was obsessed with the idea that there was this lawyer game you could play on DS. It seemed to like... <laughs> perfectly encapsulate the type of like oddball software that was just taking off on the ds yeah. just because it's such a monstrously popular console so I, I just i just really dug the idea of it plus it was made by capcom so i was you know that was probably the peak of my capcom interest like um you know i was like massively pumped about like akami and god hand big devil may cry 3 resi 4 mm. guy and onamusha series that, that was like um my sort of peak interest in Capcom for sure. Um, but they've continued to make great stuff, of course. Mm. So yeah, I um, that was my first encounter. I really loved it. I, I was obsessed with that first game. I played through in about two months. I think um, I then tried to recommend it to a bunch of friends and they just were not engaged with the idea at all. They're just like, <laughs> a lawyer game? Um, which is funny because it kind of like mirrors uh, <laughs> Shutakumi's own like experiences with trying to pitch this game to um, internally at right. Capcom. So I think it is like um, a hard sell unless you've got it in front of you and then you can go... Well, this is what it is. It's kind of just like a, a really kind of goofy anime adventure, but, um, you know, with a, just a really, really good sense of humor and uh, legit good mysteries. So, yeah, that's how mm. I kind of got into it. So, Matthew, this is like an unlikely series, basically. Like um, like you say, it's been around for a long time. You know, there are uh, many entries that people can go out and play now. Um, it's still like one game that hasn't been localized for the West, as I understand it. So... Mm-hmm. You know, there's um, there's there's been some dry spells in there for sure in terms of like releases. I mean, it's been a dry spell for the last few years, really, if you don't count the mm. um, the re-release. But um, let's dig into the origins of it a little bit. So, you know, Shutakumi, this guy joins Capcom in 1994. He wants to make detective games, which is odd because I don't think Capcom really had any sort of heritage in that, as far as I know. Mm. And then he basically ends up bouncing between the two Dino Crisis titles, and right. then. <laughs> After the second Dino Crisis uh, game releases in 2000, Capcom has an internal project where they give staff members, younger staff members, a year to work on whatever they want. So 
this is when he took his opportunity to make um, the basic, well, to create the basic principles of what would form Ace Attorney. And mm. um, what's funny is this project then moves ahead. He's got like a seven person team yeah. making it. And um, the really funny thing is that uh, at one point, he, after he writes the design documents, um, Shinji Mikami calls him and says, uh, maybe you should just give up on the whole idea because uh, <laughs> the whole idea of like a lawyer and courtroom game seemed like a tough sell to make sound exciting. And he could see in his head why the kind of mystery element would keep things interesting. But um, it seemed like a lot of what he did with this series was how do you like make the experience of pointing out contradictions and like unraveling the mystery feel exciting to the player as a combination of like you know presenting the evidence but also the sound effects and the kind of visuals and like the animation all that stuff feeds into making it feel as you alluded to earlier a bit set piecey so mm. talk to me about the origins of this series matthew what what's your kind of take on it as someone who's very well read on um, on the subject i think the thing I, I find really interesting about it is that you know he starts off wanting to, to make a game about detectives like i think their original pitch is you play a detective in it rather than a lawyer. You know, he's trying to work out the the balance of sort of solving mysteries and the kind of power and excitement of that, but also combined with, like, the ability to surprise people, which is, you know, comes from someone being kind of powerless in a story. So, you know, the two things he's trying to do are actually quite sort of non-compatible, weirdly. You know, the key decision to basically to shift it into a courtroom and make it about a lawyer that is the kind of genius stroke you know enables this like far more aggressive start and it feels kind of classically capcom like i'm not saying it is like a fighting game but it comes from that tradition you know the early games have a health bar that's sort of depleting as you kind of get things wrong and i'm not saying it looks like street fighter but with the sprite art the music the sort of dynamism of it you know, it feels like a kind of Capcom game through and through, which is super cool. So, yeah, that, that original decision to make it into a, a lawyer game is interesting. And we'll come back to it when we do the rankings. It's a mistake. They kind of flip that decision in one of the other games, and that's why it's not very good. Mm. Um, the other thing with it is that I think what it gets is the like the complexity of the mysteries. Is actually, when you replay them, they are quite sort of simple, and a lot of the contradictions are kind of set dressing around it. Like, the truth of the matter is often quite basic, but he, he's really, really good at kind of plotting backwards and dressing it up, and I think that is how he writes them. He kind of starts with the revelation and then sort of work back, and then he starts layering characters on top of that. So, you know, he's not thinking about, like, big complex emotional arcs to begin with i think he he comes from these uh, from a very like mechanical place which i think is the sort of skeleton of why they work so well i think that one of the things i found really interesting about shutakumi as a kind of person working on these games he was um i did a bunch of the extra reading you sent over like the blog entries he did for the first game it makes it sound like i'm a teacher it's <laughs> it was fun <laughs> no it was good it was you know i didn't have time to read every single one because there are so many actually different resources on them should we give a shout out to that website matthew because... yeah absolutely um Gyakuten saiban the japanese name of the game um Gyakuten saiban library is basically a site which translates archive interviews from the making of ace attorney one forwards it is ludicrously good that site I and mean, it's it's like a water asks levels of good i think yeah and it's such a weird variety of interviews as well like the tone of them are, is completely different um depending yeah. on what the context is and 
yeah, I found it really uh, illuminating. But yeah, he did do these blogs to mark the um, uh, the release of the game on Game Boy Advance in Japan in 2001, which of course is where the series started before it moved to, to DS when it uh, was released in the West. So I found um, a bunch of the anecdotes in there really funny, not least the one where they went to uh, like a real courthouse and watched a couple of cases. And like the first mm. one, they went in. A, <laughs> the idea of like seven Japanese game developers going into an indecent exposure case and just like, well, we'll just sit here and listen and get ideas for our game is like quite funny as a kind of field trip. Um, <laughs> yeah. he, I actually think I've, I sometimes find that like um, Capcom interviewees seem a little bit more sort of open than maybe some other mm. Japanese publishers. I think they're just a little bit. I think you can kind of see that ethos and whenever you see like Kamiya and Mikami being interviewed, you know, they're quite open. Yeah, I mean. And he really does, like, Shujikumi, like, is very much of that generation. Like, he comes up at the same time as Kamiya. They sort of work under Mikami. I mean, Kamiya is the voice of Godo in the Japanese version of Ace Attorney 3. Um, you know, they're there and they're kind of cut from the same cloth, but they just go in, like, very different directions. Um, another trip story I really like is because they do research trips to the circus for Ace Attorney 2, <laughs> and then they go to this... Um, like gorge uh for ace attorney three which is a bit with the sort of setting of the final case and they're all there camping out at night to kind of get the, the sort of energy or vibe of the place and they get like a call from the producers who are all in like a luxury spa down the road like eating <laughs> lobsters and they're all like this is terrible why are we here uh which i which i like the idea of these sort of uh sort of underlings sort of slumming it for the love of the art yeah um so I, I did want to read a bit of that that was translated on this website, Matthew, that, um, from one of his blog entries, which was um, I just found really funny. It's just a it's a really funny story for a few reasons. But um, he had basically been told the game is not fun, like um, in its kind of um, in its early form. And he said, I had not expected such damage. My head was spinning. There was the option of starting all over again from zero. But where was zero? I didn't know what to do. And another headaching problem followed right after this one. It happened at the end of year party of Production Studio 4. I had promised to do a magic show in front of about 100 drunken men. I'll leave out why things had turned out that way, but I had said I would, and I have my own pride. So I definitely have surprised them. (laughs) What am I supposed to do? As I was thinking sadly about that in mind... I was making a silver orb float in the air, cut a beautiful woman in half, and made the Capcom building disappear, brackets partially exaggerated. (laughs) And so the 20th century was about to end. But just as we were finishing our work for the year, one last incident happened. It had come to finish us off amidst the chaos. Of the mere seven people in the team, one had quit their job because of personal reasons. The Phoenix Wright team was facing its greatest crisis. So... I mean, I just found that story so funny. The magic show element and the idea that he was processing bad news while like having to do a magic show in front of 100 (laughs) drunk men is so funny. Um, But also, I think that what I I really got the sense that he was quite... uh, Like, he felt a bit out of his depth making that first game. Like, I really got that sense from reading it. Like, he just... He felt like it was was barely being cobbled together. And... um, he was just fighting for it the whole time. Is that the sense you got from reading about him? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, one of the things that like amazed me when I did the, the couple of big sort of email interviews with him over the years was when you ask him about like these very intricately plotted stories, which you know is kind of 
one of his trademarks you think wow this is so beautifully put together this must have been years in the making a lot of it comes about by accident and like mistakes he makes and technical limitations like they're constantly having to cut stuff and reuse stuff and so this this thing i was talking earlier on about like how characters keep reappearing and you know that's literally because they didn't have the kind of space to have different character sprites in the first game so they're like well in the last case you know all these characters are just gonna have to come back again but they're you know in slightly different roles now because we just need to reuse the sprites but that becomes like a key part of the dna of the game and it's so much of this is like a happy accident i mean there's really some big emotional notes where you think not just by video game standards i'd say just general standards that would be pretty great in a tv film show whatever and then you hear him say like yeah i totally wrote myself into a corner and that was like the only way out and like we'd established all this stuff i mean one of the recurring things with him is he loves characters who've like never lost a case before or never done this or this is the first time this has ever happened which is really cool and dramatic in the moment but it also means that if you ever choose to go back in time like you you're really screwed because you've established that these people have like unfailing records and you know there is a case where two people who've never lost a case go up against each other and but like after the case they've never lost a case and he was like well how do i solve this you know they both got to win and you know it is one of the the you know one of the better moments in the overall story but it's it's he's kind of a bit of an agent of chaos (laughs) which i like (laughs) yeah it's quite interesting because he's obviously still at capcom but he almost has the profile of someone i feel like would have left capcom just in terms of like yeah he's just it's interesting he's still there you know he is really odd because he's off that off that set. He has to be like one of the longest lasting people there. Mm. And, you know, there are great stretches where he's not obvious what he's doing, you know, <laughs> like basically since the the second Grace Ace Attorney game, you know, he, which, you know, which was four four years ago, I think it was finished. You know, they haven't announced anything new. He himself hasn't been working on the mainline games if we're even going to get one of those. I, I always sort of visited him just sort of sitting in a room by himself, kind of tapping away, and, like, occasionally he happens on something which kind of goes ahead, you know, like Ghost Trick is the, is the one kind of weird exception where he sort of steps away. Um, yeah, he's, it's quite hard to get a read on him in terms of, like, in all this material, he sounds super enthusiastic, and he clearly loves it. Like, he's clearly incredibly passionate about this series, and he is totally the ringleader of it. You don't get a sense of him bit like... He doesn't sound fatigued. I'd, I'd love to do a deep dive interview with him, just generally about his career and see where he's at. And it would never happen, but he is still there. And he's, he's mm. just... What's he, what's he up to? He's a very, very strange character. Whereas, as you say, like um, at a certain point, uh, Shutsukumi stops working on the mainline series. He seems like... I think it was actually a quote in your interview, Matthew, where he says that I felt like Phoenix's story was done. And... Um, mm. So he works at Apollo Justice and then moves off of um, move off moves off of the series and uh, yeah. So at that point, like you say, you have a, a different team take over. Did you know that Yamazaki left Capcom last year? By the way, yeah, that's yeah that that was that was sad because he'd actually like one hundred percent hit his stride with Ace Attorney Six. I was so pumped for what that team did next. Ace Attorney Six is such a banger, and I was like, this guy is he's finally got it. That was the game I felt like he finally really stepped up and now he's not there which is 
so dumb. Um, and I wonder if it paints a bleak story of what's going on with Ace Attorney. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's now been, what, how many, four years, five years since um, yeah. Spirit of Justice? So yeah, like, yeah. Um, hard to tell what the future is there. And yeah, like you say, I mean, it, surely um, Shu Takumi himself has been working on something other than just like, you know, trying to get Capcom to localize these games or whatever. Yeah, um, I mean, he's got a credit as, like, a quest writer on one of the Monster Hunter spin-offs. Okay, interesting. <laughs> like, which isn't necessarily, and I don't really remember, I, was that the quest where you have to accuse a, a <laughs> Rathalos of um, blackmail? <laughs> Oh, good stuff! Yeah, I mean, I would actually, I would actually play that. That's a bit similar to the uh, the game I pitched for my handheld last week. <laughs> I, yeah, I suppose it is. I would love that the idea that of uh, Shutakumi doing like a guest DLC for every Capcom game, like Devil May Cry Five <laughs> and you know Resident Evil Village and stuff. And oh like, uh, yeah, oh, that'd be great. They should put he could he could put um, Twitter on trial for being too horny about um, Big Vampire Lady. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um. Okay, Matthew. Then I. More generally, what do you think makes a great Ace Attorney case? For me, I'm looking for that very difficult balance of like plenty of eureka moments where I get the breakthrough and I feel super powerful because you know, the game really sells those objections. You know, when you get it right and the music changes and the speech bubble comes up, that's really satisfying to me. I also like to be surprised. You know, I, I like to have a breakthrough in the case and. I don't know if that's something that's maybe like truer of the later games because you know one of the big criticisms of Ace Attorney is that you often are ahead of of sort of Shutakumi and you know the piece of evidence that's going to solve it all and you know he hasn't hidden it as well. Interestingly, like that's my perception of it anyway is is, is that he hasn't hidden it as well. Like something that's come out in some of these other interviews, and I've not really heard him talk about this. You know, he definitely didn't talk about this when in the interviews I did with him. Is you know, he's not as hung up on like the the who done it. As you'll know, in in a lot of the earlier games, well, in a lot of the games, in a lot of the earlier cases, uh, the introduction movies show you who did it. You know, it shows the criminal right there, and he actually likens it in his blogs and things more to like Columbo, where you know the person is, and it's about the thrill of like nailing the bad guy rather than the thrill of working out, like, what's going on. Which is interesting, because actually, like, cinematically, that is true in the games. You know, when, you know, there is something really good about having a clearly, like, bogus liar on the stand. And the moment you're working to is when they break down, and they they refer to it as the break moment, which is when they kind of explode and their sprite reveals its, like, demonic form or its hair blows off or... You know, when you really do a number and that's when the music kicks in and it's really, really satisfying. And I think he values that sort of drama more than necessarily the kind of cleverness of the mystery itself. And he obviously wants to surprise you. And, you know, he wants there to be a few breakthroughs which you didn't see coming. Um, Weirdly, I think, like, Yamazaki is actually slightly better at that side of things. I think his mysteries, because they are a bit more complicated and tangled can leave you kind of confused and have a few more surprises. Um, But generally, like, I I prefer what Takumi does, which is, you know, give you you someone that you're kind of, like, looking forward to taking down, maybe deliver a few surprises along the way. I think the way he kind of weaves in, like, bigger storylines into cases, so you have the case itself and then you have kind of what it means for, like, the wider game arc um, is, is really beautifully done. Although, again, as I said... 
mostly accidental it seems um <laughs> yeah i think i think that tracks yeah i feel like he um he's quite careful with uh, when he decides to do a whodunit and maybe that not having the repetition of always doing it that way in between cases means that um it can really sort of hit you when it when it does happen um hence the character i won't spoil anything but um the character who uh when they reveal swishes around a glass of um wine um when they're doing their sort of crazy person animation so mm. that that one is a real kind of like because the game works really hard to to not make that character seem like the the killer and then mm. when it emerges it's actually like quite nasty and i think that yeah like you say by mixing it up with um some cases where you do actually know who the culprit is it means that the, the mysteries aren't necessarily um repetitive also at the same time i think um i think setting is like a big part of what makes a uh, case Ooh. in this series exciting like um obviously that you know the the background art in these games is very nice but um i one of the things i was really interested about the great ace attorney actually is they don't have some of the same stuff they like to do in um these games where they, they pick very can pick very modern settings like a circus or you know the set of a tv show and um mm. i think those end up kind of informing how good or well how how kind of engaging a mystery is in this in this series as much as the characters do it's like um it kind of gives it a theme to each one you know yeah yeah definitely feels like you're dipping into like different corners of the world i mean that's true of great ace attorney it's just that because it is a historical thing it maybe feels uh, maybe a little drier you know there's like a case that's sort of set around the kind of great exhibition and it's all about like science and technology gone wrong for example which feels like quite a classic ace attorney kind of twist on on something like that but there are also just a lot of cases set in sort of run down tenement buildings which isn't as like you know hilarious on the surface I and mean, it's not particularly hilarious in general in, in in that stuff it feels like that game values being quite true to that that situation yeah i really love in the ace attorney games like regardless of how good or bad the individual entries are like how that how its universe has grown out over the whole series like how it has like its own like law which gradually kind of seeps in like the you know the the not only do you have the um uh steel samurai which is the kind of the, the fictional tv show in the first game but then that keeps coming back with like all these weird sort of spin-off shows and <laughs> other spin-off characters and it, it feels like quite a kind of complete universe which again is a miracle miracle kind of given sort of how much he just sort of makes it up as he goes along Mm, yeah for sure like um uh, it can be quite surprising which characters uh, end up like uh, popping up again from maybe just mm. one case and then they appear in a future game so yeah great stuff matthew so before we get into your top 10 then uh or sorry rather the ranking of the the series what are your hopes for this series going forwards <laughs> if you'd asked me a couple of years ago i would have said bleak just because we'd heard so little um the fact that they have localized this quite strange great ace attorney gives me hope that the series is like worth Capcom's time and I think the Ace Attorney trilogy has has I you know the vibe is that it sort of surprised them like how well it did and that's why we're getting the localization is that is kind of my read on it and did it surprise them enough to want to make more and and, and you know and continue the main storyline that would be interesting to see like I, I I do wonder if they'd ever try and do a compilation of uh four five and six like they did with the original trilogy if they want to continue seven on they may need to kind of plug that gap for some people yeah but it's also quite hard because that like stylistically those games you know one's a ds game 
two or 3DS games. I mean, they're very graphically, you know, technologically very, very different. So I don't know if it would feel like a bit more of a jumble. But, uh, you know, I'd definitely be up for them releasing that. I mean, I, I think this is a series people should be able to replay. I mean, at the moment, 3DS is the is the closest thing you have to like a universal Ace Attorney machine in that it's got, you know, hasn't got the localized version of Great Ace Attorney, but it's got every other version you can download and play on it. Um, so I've got a 3DS, which is just like, it's my Ace Attorney 3DS, basically. And it would be great to get to a point where you can say that of Switch 2, you know, or that Switch has all of them or something. Yeah. It was maybe so, unlikely. <laughs> I think it was um, that was rumored quite a long time ago that this was going to exist, and then there would also be a seventh entry in the series. But um, it's hard to tell what might have changed in the meantime because mm. that was, I think that was a rumor was like more than two years ago. So um, yeah, it's uh, tough to call. But yeah, hopefully, Greatest Tony Chronicles does well, and then um, we uh, we see more coming over here. I feel like, in some ways, being a kind of digital only 3ds proposition made it more niche in that generation like it was already on a smaller sort of platform and then you could only get it on the digital store i mean great Tony chronicles doesn't have a physical edition for example right yeah and like it that almost feels like a downgrade by capcom you know that's not to say the game you know they, they reflect poorly on the game but maybe they just they're a bit more conservative in how they think it will do um but mm. yeah i don't know it's just i just like you say, they released like one DS game after another, and I wonder if there was just a certain point where it kind of slowed down, and then like um, they thought interest in it had cooled, and then yeah, like you say, Ace Attorney trilogy comes out and actually surprises them. So mm. hard to tell what they've made of it behind the scenes over the years. Very um, yeah, yeah, very confusing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, you know, we live in hope. Absolutely. Okay, Matthew, let's take another short break where um, you can select some more music from this series that you know so well, and then we'll <laughs> get into your ranking of the um, best games of the series. So, Matthew is going to rank the Ace Attorney games. Obviously, he is a series expert, knows these games better than anyone I know, and I'm excited to hear how he's um, he's ranked these 10 entries. So, Matthew, is there anything you want to say before we get into this, any kind of preamble about how you've ranked these games? I mean, the thing I'd really say is that, like, none of them are, like, bad, bad. I, I would play all of them and would happily replay all of them. Like, there's a quote on one of the Shutakumi's blogs where he actually says, you can't rank the first three games. Like, together they are just Ace Attorney. Like, that's what they are. So you shouldn't really split them up. Um, I have split them up. Like, I'm, I'm not treating the trilogy just as a whole, just because I think it's more interesting that way. Though that that probably is the way to play them, and you kind of have to play them all anyway for, for, for the last one to work. So, um, yeah, well, we'll just get into it, I guess. Yeah, what's your number 10, Matthew? So my number 10 is Ace Attorney Investigations Miles Edgeworth, yep. which is the Edgeworth spin-off game, which is the thing I was kind of uh, sort of alluding to a bit earlier where I was saying right at the start of this series, Shooter Kimmy wants to make a detective game and then thinks, you know what, this doesn't really work, I better set it in court. So I always thought it was mad that they then gave the series to someone who went, you know what, let's get it out of court and try a detective game. <laughs> uh, and lo and behold, it doesn't really work. Have you played this one? No, I think it's because it's got... Well, I, first of all, I hadn't actually finished all of the other games of the series to play this. Yeah. I like. I always like the pitch of it in terms of like you know spending more time with Miles Ma- Edgeworth and Gumshoe. Yeah. 
What is the what is it that doesn't work about it? There's a couple of things. One, it's be careful what you wish for. Like Miles Edgeworth is the prosecutor, uh, the main prosecutor of the of the, the first game, and then kind of comes back at other times. He's a fan favorite. He's a brilliant character. Like he's this sort of slightly sneering elitist guy who you kind of you know you take great pleasure in bringing him down but at the same time there's this like grudging uh, respect that sort of develops between him and phoenix right and he's a really like important piece of the puzzle you play it and go like i'd like loads more of this guy and actually he works he works in the role he serves he works as an antagonist more they have to kind of not dumb him down but simplify him a bit why phoenix right is such a good character is he's not really a character you know as an avatar for you there's not a lot going on with him he's he's just there you know he's obviously got this like drive and sort of commitment to his clients and that's all great but he's, he's not a very complicated sort of psychological being where like edgeworth kind of is as a non-playable character but i feel like they have to soften him too much to make him more of an avatar and i don't really recognize him as the edgeworth from the other games like he's just this sort of nice guy you know he's he's they obviously didn't want to make this game where you're just going around being like a huge asshole to everyone <laughs> but it doesn't feel true to edgeworth that he isn't so this is the game that the um the people who were going to make dual destinies and spirit of justice yeah. kind of cut their teeth on right yeah this is the first one that's that's sort of written directed by uh, takashi yamazaki who's the kind of the, the other ace attorney lead um the, the problem with taking it out of the court is that it still sort of has the fundamental structure of like presenting evidence uh, to testimony. But outside of the court, it just doesn't really make any sense. Like you're just a prosecutor who goes to crime scenes, meets criminals, says, I think you're a criminal. And then the criminal like is like, well, you have to make your case to me, the criminal. <laughs> and you're like, well, that isn't, no, that doesn't make any sense. Who is, there is no arbiter of like who is right. And that may sound like a really like nerdy pedantic point, but like who is giving Miles Edgeworth his penalties when he's just arguing with a bloke? It can't be the bloke. He's <laughs> the guy he's accused of murder. You know, it's it, it, logically it makes no sense, and the whole thing is so much weaker for it. It's just Miles Edgeworth arguing with like weirdos in a room. Um, so like mechanically, I think it's like a huge huge bust compared to the, the main series. Um, and the other problem with it is, like, the overarching story is about this legendary thief. I just, I'm just not interested in the story of this this burglar, and it all comes to a head in this case in a in a foreign embassy, which basically all comes down. That then all comes down to um, a question of like diplomatic immunity, which is like. For me personally, the worst trope in all crime fiction. I have no interest in like diplomatic immunity and what it means, and the idea that someone could just be a shitbag villain, but they're like diplomatic immunity. <laughs> like that isn't an interesting twist to me at all. Again, that is a really niche criticism of this game, <laughs> but it is that last case is such a bust because of it. Ah, uh, yes, um, the, the lethal weapon two uh, criticism. Yeah, oh, it just sucks. Like it's it's such a sort of bureaucratic sort of thriller element you know it's mm. like you can't do this because of it and it's it's just not very it's not very interesting that's that's what's wrong with this game like everything is just a little bit off um that said i, I, I one of the things we we're going to do for this ranking is i was going to highlight the best cases from each game mm. because uh, i can do that what's the um what's the best um arguing with a guy in a room in this game matthew so <laughs> there's a case called turnabout reminisce which is a flashback case there are loads of these in the Ace Attorney series. 
and it's set in the courtroom. It's a murder in the in the court building, which as a sort of expanded universe thing is quite fun seeing that building from a different perspective. So, you know, annoyingly, you think if you go through that door, there is a judge there and this game would become so much better. But it's quite fun, like seeing the um, the kind of defendant's entry chamber from like a different perspective. And there's some stuff about other lawyers. You know, it's a case that involves lawyers and detectives and judges and things. That's quite fun. Like it has fun with the kind of the law of the kind of this world's crime system, but it's 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 definitely not a classic. Okay, good stuff. Well, I guess the other thing we've got to talk about with this one, Matthew, is there is a second entry in this um, sub-series that never releases in the West. What mm. do you think this story there was? Do you think the interest in this first one was just too cool, or do you think that it was just a bit too late in the DS's lifespan? I have actually included that, included that in the rankings. Ah, okay, of course, because there's a fan translation out there. Right? Yeah, yeah, so we can maybe chat about that then. Okay, great. So what's your number nine? My number nine is Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney, Dual Destinies. Wow, okay, yeah. So I actually I played this one, and um, it was the first one they did in 3D. And mm-hmm. uh, as we mentioned earlier, this was um, you know the same team who had made the, um, the Miles Edgeworth Investigations game. So they were kind of moving into this mainline series. Shu Takumi was sort of done with it. It introduces, um, well, it has both um, Phoenix Wright and Apollo Justice in in the story. Um, Apollo takes a bit of a fall in the first case, and I kind of <laughs> yeah. thought, was that them just getting him out of the way so they can focus on Phoenix Wright for a bit? <laughs> also introduces um, Athena Sykes, and it's set eight years later in the series timeline. Mm-hmm. So um, I actually, I really enjoyed this at the time as a kind of like um, a rush of Ace Attorney nostalgia, Matthew, mm. but it wasn't maybe the strongest in terms of like cases or mechanics um what did you make of it maybe this is just me being like overprotective of the original shutakumi timeline but i i it felt like a a bit a little bit fan fictiony to me felt a little bit off the characters didn't quite sound the same um it didn't really have the same energy to it i think like the fact that they chose to have phoenix Wright as the main character felt like I mean, it makes sense because it's, it's, you know, enough time had passed that he wanted to reintroduce people to the series. But it also felt like they they were kind of chickening out a little bit on Apollo Justice, who'd kind of been set up as the the new kind of protagonist. You know, it basically, like, it feels like they just took the whole of Apollo Justice and pressed a big old reset button on it. I think Athena Sykes is a really weak character uh, in this game, anyway. Like, her whole thing is that she's sort of a psychology expert and she has this sort of heart monitor which can sort of detect the inner turmoil of witnesses and it adds this little kind of mini game where as you're questioning people you can see their emotional response and you have to try and find emotional contradictions so like if they're getting like kicked in the head but their emotional response is <laughs> i love this you know you might go well that's weird <laughs> you know and, but it's kind of as broad as that like this i don't feel that like there's a huge amount they can do with it it's a lot of people who are like then a bomb went off in my face and like and i felt a deep love <laughs> and you're like well <laughs> it's, it's not subtle so i'm laughing because i was playing it last night and that is literally one of the examples <laughs> i was like what this is so dumb she's also got like a little robotic necklace which kind of wisecracks which i mean I, that can basically fuck off um <laughs> Just a weak character. Like, her gimmick, one of her other gimmicks is that she occasionally says stuff in foreign languages. I think she's meant to be quite well-travelled. But, like, that isn't, a, that isn't like, a character trait. That's just a very annoying tick. Is, is, that um, what, is, is she what you mean by it being a bit fan service Does she not quite feel like... Well, that, and it feels like someone writing Phoenix Wright who hasn't written Phoenix Wright before. 
Hmm. Like he just doesn't he doesn't quite land for me. Like this depiction of him and it, it's there's something off about it. I don't think it's as funny. The thing I will say, amazing production values. Like hmm. the the trip into three D, which if you read the stuff on on that library site about this game like gave them no end of trouble trying to decide like they bet that right at the start there was a big debate of like should this be like the best 2d game we've ever made or do we make it 3d character models and part of me would love to see what like like 2d ace attorney to the max on (laughs) 3ds would look like Mm. um but the 3d models are amazing like the animations when you break the 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 um suspects in this they're they, they look just incredible you know, in the first case, there's a there's a bomb detonation guy. He's constantly like dissembling and reassembling this bomb in his hand, and it, it really does blur the lines between like the two D sprites and a three D model. It's is so beautifully done. Um, like major kudos for that. Also, the soundtrack is absolutely banging to this game, uh, which is like a huge part of the Ace Attorney puzzle. Like, it almost doesn't really matter what they do in the games as long as they get the music right, because you're just like, yeah, this music's great. I'm having a great time. I definitely um, felt like the production values were sort of like um, powering my excitement when I played it. I was like, oh, mm. wow, they've actually like, um, you know, this. they probably cost them like four times more to make something this elaborate than it did the um, the original ones. And um, yeah. I think the, invest- the investment really pays off, which is why it's a bummer it's been so many years since there's been a new one. But um, one of the bits of trivia I really liked from the making of notes was that um, because they're 3D models... Um, Phoenix has like a giant hand. Um, <laughs> right, yeah, I wrote that down in my notes too. I was like, <laughs> we have to talk about the giant hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like when he points, um, uh, because of the perspective, it just has to be a giant 3D model hand on the end of this like normal arm. So um, <laughs> yeah. I found that very, very funny. Uh, yeah. yeah, I like that they have yeah like different hands swapping and out based on the poses <laughs> he's doing. So he works at different points. Uh, <laughs> that really made me laugh. I-, I think the other thing here, and like, Another really like key thing that defines how well the individual games work is the prosecutor. It's no coincidence that the best games have the best prosecutors in them. You know that that, that antagonism in the in the courtroom is super important. On paper, this one's an absolute winner because it's uh, Simon Blackwell who is on death row. Like he is a convicted murderer who's waiting execution, who somehow gets let out to be the prosecutor in other cases, which is so wild. And he has like, uh, you know, he's there in shackles the whole time, but it just never translated on the screen in like any interesting way. Like he's just this grumpy bloke who shouts at you a lot. I I thought a real bust of a prosecutor, which is a shame because I was really looking for, I thought, oh, this sounds great. Like that's such a funny Ace Attorney idea. Um, So... Sorry, Simon Blackwell, but uh, you didn't you didn't really make the cut. But you're a great uh, writer on the thick of it and uh, Veep, so... Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so Matthew, what is the um, best case from this game? Uh, so best case on this one, I'm actually going to recommend the DLC case, um, which is called Turnabout Reclaimed. It's about how Phoenix Wright comes back into the courtroom after Apollo Justice, because he, he's not a lawyer in that anymore. Uh, and it's wild because the the person you're defending is a killer whale um, <laughs> who's been accused of killing someone at an aquarium in a, in like a accident. And it's it's a really silly, you know, like there's literally a whale in the courtroom. But that is that's like a big Ace Attorney swing, and it it feels like it's kind of riffing a little bit on some of the other dumb stuff you've interrogated in the other games. Uh, it's completely self-contained, so it's not part of the 
the kind of underwhelming game arc of the main game it's 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 really really good uh i was just gonna actually do a little shout out as well like if you don't have a 3ds you can buy a lot of these games on android they're they're, they're pricey for phone games but they're cheaper than they are to buy on 3ds weirdly um and if you buy i'm pretty sure dual destinies comes with the dlc as part of its i think it's like 15 quid on android but it's a pretty slick version of the game Hmm. Can you um? You just have to download this DLC via the menu inside the game in um, the 3DS one, Matthew. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. It's a it's a it's a pain in the ass if you haven't got credit on the 3DS store because you can't buy the DLC on uh, the 3DS store. Now is like a nightmare to buy anything <laughs> on. Like I basically, if I want to buy anything on my 3DS, I buy it on the Nintendo website and it's connected to my account. But you can't buy the individual DLC, so you do have to buy it through the game, which means somehow getting credit onto your 3DS, which actually struck like it's quite hard to do these days because you know do they still do the prepaid cards? I don't know, and you can't add credit with a credit card onto 3DS directly anymore. But you can do it if you can add credit to your Switch, then it it works yeah, for your 3DS. Yeah, but that is that that is so weird that you have to add credit <laughs> yeah. to your Switch to get it onto your 3DS. Like, I would say that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. So, what's your number eight, Matthew? Number eight is Apollo Justice Ace Attorney. Oh, a tough break for Shooter Kumi. I mean, I thought all of his games would make up your sort of um, your top list. What's interesting about this one is it's the first one they made entirely for DS. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it when we get to, to get to the first game. But that originally came out on the GBA. Then they ported it to, D, to DS and they made like an exclusive DS case on the end, which kind of showcases what the DS can do. So, you know, I was really excited for Apollo Justice because I thought, oh, I can't wait to see that style of Ace Attorney case kind of blown up to a full game. The the, the thing about this one is that it like Apollo Justice isn't like particularly well served by it. You know, it introduces this new character. There's nothing wrong with him. He's a nice chap. His his whole thing is that he's like practicing his shouting, his cords of steel. He just doesn't get like a massive amount of time in the spotlight. Even though Phoenix Wright kind of isn't the main character anymore, he sort of hogs it a bit, and there, there is this sort of strange kind of tension that it never really takes off as its own thing. It's a, it's a little bit of a kind of like limbo game. I do quite like what they do with with Phoenix Wright in this, you know, and I, I do think it is a shame that they don't explore this down and out version of the character a bit better. You know, it's it's definitely quite shocking when you first see him and he's like unshaven and you know he's a bit like a sort of sort of big sort of divorced dad energy <laughs> so that's you know that that has a big impact and that's one my favorite case is the first case in the game just because it like establishes the world seeing phoenix right again um there's quite a good twist with who the villain is in that case and it's you know it's, it's relatively nifty in, in and of itself but then apollo justice gets these two cases which are not uh, Shutakumi's best stuff there's one where there's like lots of smaller crimes that kind of combine into like a bigger case and then there's this one at this terrible music concert which involves this video that you have to re-watch about eight million times in the course of the trial and hear this god-awful song and it just it, it really uh it feels like the team are like we can do full video clips now on ds and so they really lean into it and go we're gonna make you do it over and over again and it's it's kind of agony by the end i think fans are really split over the last case in this game as well because it's all about the introduction of a new jury system which feels like it could have like changed the series quite a lot and there's this weird like time hopping mechanic in it and i quite like that case but it doesn't really sort of go anywhere because as i say ace 25 then just comes in and goes yeah 
none of that really happened. You know, is Phoenix right? He's a lawyer again. It's basically, you know, big reset button. So, yeah, Apollo Justice just doesn't doesn't quite land for me. That's fair enough. Yeah, I um, I, I was curious what th- this has its own kind of like uh, sort of um, perceive system, right? Where it's a yeah a bit of a different. Uh, Ace Attorney often like brings in like a kind of a, a sort of high concept mechanic, but this is kind of like a sort of poker face interrogation thing, right? Yeah, you look for sort of tells as people are doing their testimony. You sort of zoom in on the art. I mean, it was basically just designed to show off that the the artwork was a lot more high resolution on DS than it used to be on GBA. <laughs> you look at them and you look for them like picking at their nails or kind of flinching or whatever. And it's not complicated. It's it's like another string to its bow. I flip flop on these like gimmick ideas that they add you know i i it's kind of an unfortunate series in that it nails its its core mechanic perfectly in the first game Mm. which is the finding the contradictions that is what's good about the game and you feel that they're constantly trying to add new things on top of that which don't ever really like change the overarching thing there is an exception to this which we'll get to in one of the later games you know as an idea it doesn't like leave a, a massive impact on you Okay, fair enough. So what's your uh, favourite case from um, Apollo Justice, Ace Attorney, Matthew? Yeah, that would be the first one. Turnabout Trump It is quite good. There's a really good witness uh, who's like this sort of Russian waitress and she keeps flinging all these plates in the air and then catching all these quite quite complicated sort of soup bowls and things, which I really like. (laughs) Okay, good stuff. So what's your number seven, Matthew? Ace Attorney Investigations 2. Ah, interesting. I'm sure you um, imported your... uh copy from japan legally yeah. and then um, use your uh, language skills to um, play the game no problem you can yeah, you can patch uh, the japanese import of this on your on your ds with some shenanigans which allows you to play ace attorney investigations 2 the only now unlocalized entry in the series this is actually the one i think would cause fan upset people who have played it rate it tend to rate it really highly like i've seen some people say it's the best ace attorney game I've seen a lot of fan polls put it comfortably in the top five, if not top three. I think it's hugely overrated. It's way better than Ace Attorney Investigations 1. It has all the same problems with that. It's it's Miles Edgeworth going around shouting at people in car parks, <laughs> um, which is kind of weird still, I think. But it kind of acknowledges that the setup of the game is a bust because... Light spoiler alerts. Um, in this story, it's basically about him questioning whether he wants to be a prosecutor or a defence attorney. And for a large portion of it, you basically play as a defence attorney, which feels like them going, you know what, that is that is kind of what these games are fundamentally about. That is better. <laughs> like, it's a better role to have you going up against a prosecutor than you just going up against a criminal as a prosecutor. So I feel, like, slightly vindicated by that, that, you know... <laughs> They're owning up to it. It's hugely complicated. The most complicated cases in the series by far, which on paper should be like my dream game. Because I love that. I love Japanese crime fiction. I love really convoluted, impossible murder scenes. And this has loads of them. I think Yamazaki is like super ambitious, but I think he loses the thread of like most of the cases by the end. And you're kind of sort of scraping by a little bit. They're not as satisfying to solve as the Takumi ones. Like it just feels like there's a a mass of quite confusing information. It feels like he's just he has overcomplicated everything. I mean there's there's a central case in this. It flashbacks in the case to Miles Edgeworth's dad. So you're playing as his dad and Miles Edgeworth in the present, investigating two related cases 
and there's all this evidence that was like hidden in the past which is having an impact on the crime in the future it is so convoluted that like when it finally reveals like why the person did what they did it is it is for such a stupid silly reason it's such a simple crime that they've basically dressed up with hours and hours and hours of like time hopping it it made me really really cross i think it's so overcooked this game it is better than it is better than the first one but it it also has so many like supporting characters who aren't necessary because it introduces miles edgeworth's dad in that case introduces his sidekick He's a guy called Ray Shields. It introduces this judge who's hunting evil prosecutors. And it introduces a rival prosecutor. And there are just scenes where there are like 10 characters on screen all arguing with each other. And it's just, it feels really messy. Some people say ambitious. I think messy. Yeah, interesting. So do you think this has been widely played then by the um, community around these games in the West because of that fan patch? Definitely. And, and I think it's popularity. I think some of it is just sort of like... Hipster. It feels kind of exciting because it's like the one you're not really meant to have. And, mm. you know, kudos to the team who translated it. I mean amazing an absolutely amazing job you'd think it was capcom that done it and so you know it doesn't feel like budget or anything like that it's 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 really really well done like i'm so pleased i got to play this game we're very very lucky that it it hasn't just vanished um but i do think that has translated into a slight kind of uh over enthusiasm for it as as an entry uh, so what's the best case from this one matthew this is uh, this case called the Imprisoned Turnabout, which is a murder in a prison. And again, like as a setting, that's quite fun because it gives you an idea of like what happens to all these people, you know, after they've lost their cases, like where they go, what prison, what is prison like in the Ace Attorney verse? Like one of the prisoners is the the murderer from like the very first case of Ace Attorney. That's quite cool. That is cool. You know, you know, there's some, there's definitely some cool callbacks in this, which I really like. And also, and you're quite like this. This prison, um, the way it kind of tries to kind of keep like aggression down, is that every prisoner is paired with like a therapy animal, <laughs> so it's like half prison, half zoo. Uh, and there's lots of stuff about like there's always like dogs and pigs and stuff running around, and <laughs> the case kind of hinges on a guide dog for a bl- for a blind prisoner. So that's that's quite daft. This idea of this sort of zoo prison. This game isn't like a bus. It's just it's it's just overcomplicated. There's so much stuff in every case. There's so many ideas. Um, it it just. It's just a bit. It's a bit much. Sounds like it's worth tracking down though for fans because I I just can't see Capcom ever revisiting. No, 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 absolutely not. But it's you can you know if you look up the fan patch, you can you can basically get the whole deal on how it works and how to get it working, and it's you know it's not too complicated. Okay, great stuff, Matthews. What's your number six? Six is Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney Justice for All, aka Ace Attorney Two. Yep, this is the one I know very well. And I think that this is the one I, I said took me 11 years to finish. And I think it's because <laughs> I felt like, generally speaking, um, it, it, it took a few more... It, it took a bit more out of the... I think the Cyclops system they introduced in this game means that the case has become a bit knottier and it makes you work a bit harder to figure out what the game is thinking as opposed mm. to like letting you deduce what's going on. I think, like you say, a lot of this traces back to the fact that, that first game really nails what the formula is and you don't really need to add anything on top of that so every time this series adds something adds a new system like that it's it it, even the one that i think you're going to say that you like in um, one of the later games 
get cited in reviews as like, oh, well, they added this and it seems unnecessary and it's kind of fiddly. And that is like a recurring criticism of this series. And the Cyclops mm. thing to me felt like occasionally satisfying. I know why they added it to, you know, give it a bit more sort of like drama and, and, and more to do. But I just found it um, a bit grueling sometimes to figure out what the game was thinking. Am I being unfair there, Matthew? No, not, not at all. I mean, like, weirdly... Um, this was introduced to basically like improve the investigation sections, which, as I said before, are like my least favorite bit of Ace Attorney is the kind of the collecting all the clues and the exposition in between the cases. I want to get in there. They've proven in so many cases that they can set up the case in the courtroom quite efficiently. Like they do that in all the tutorial cases. You go straight into a trial and they're like, here's all the evidence. And you're like, that's fine. Uh, but that for the rest of the games, the rest of the cases, you then have to spend kind of several hours talking to witnesses and picking, tapping backgrounds and stuff. And yeah, so they were like, well, we've got to liven this up for two. Let's add these cyclots. So you sort of basically do kind of cross examinations in out in the real world and you have to present evidence to kind of break people's defenses. Apparently, that's the doing of uh, Inaba now of Platinum games interesting as in he said to shoot takumi like you know my only thing for the second game is i want you to i want you to add something to the investigation sections to make them more exciting yeah i could see like i say i understand why um to to try and give those a bit more flavor but yeah i agree i think that um it risks making those sequences feel like more languid because in the first one you're just accumulating clues and then you can kind of um, shuttle straight through but by placing obstacles that feel like the obstacles you get in the in the courtroom but in the investigation sections this is why it took me 11 years to finish basically it slows that it slows those sections down even further when they weren't amazing to begin with yeah the logic on some of them is really messy like even now when i replay them i still get stuck and occasionally have to check a guide because like some of the stuff is so obscure and it's definitely something from ace attorney 5 forwards they really fix i mean ace 25 has got like a almost like a little in-game objective system sort of notebook that tells you quite explicitly like where to go next which is kind of what i want like i want that bit to be as painless as possible i think this is the weakest of the original three because the prosecutor uh francisca von karma i really do not care for compared to wedgeworth she just hits you with a whip and says fool a lot which isn't particularly great <laughs> as, as, a, as a deep character i find her really overwritten like with her your foolish fool with your foolish 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 evidence all this kind of nonsense she's quite tiresome you know without spoiling it they do do something about that in the last case weirdly shutakumi really rates the circus case in this one Oh, I like the circus case a lot. I, I do like it, but like he has it as like, I think that's some of my best writing. Well, I, I think, oh God, can we talk about that spoiling it? I think it's because the killer in it doesn't feel like, doesn't have the energy of a lot of the other killers in this series. Um, yeah. When you find out the culprit, it's actually just sad rather than like... Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's maybe a bit more sophisticated. I'm not saying it's a dud case, but it's not like, you know, there's many other cases I'd name before I got to that as like, oh yeah, that's the standout. Well, um, I would say, I for me, that is the standout of this game. Then again, I um I do like the um the the well, I'd actually don't want to step on your best case because it probably is this one. So um, yeah, but uh, the Maya centric case in this one is really good. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but the other thing is it introduces like a very young character, Pearl Fay, who is I, I, I maybe this is just me. I don't really like Shutakumi's very childy childish characters. They don't really fit that universe because everyone has to like behave around them uh i have a similar problem when they have that young kid in yakuza um 
like his little adopted daughter oh, or whatever. She is pretty boring, that girl. Well, that's it. And, and all of a sudden, like all these badass characters have to start being polite because there's a child in the room. And it's a little bit like that with Pearl Faye as well. I mean, she's she's really important that the, the the story of the Faye family kind of runs through the first three games and the payoff is definitely worth it. But she, she herself is not my favourite character. Uh, there's actually a character in Great Ace Attorney, uh, the kind of the Watson-ish character is a little girl called Iris Wilson, who's got big Pearl Fay energy, and I'm not too sure about her either. Can we be sure, Matthew, that they didn't just add Pearl Fay to this game so the very horny character designers could have um, uh, Mia Fay take over, um, appear in the game wearing her exact outfit stretched out over her adult <laughs> body? Are we are we sure that wasn't the reason that she was introduced? I mean, yeah, there is there, there is there is a bit of stuff with that. There is some sort of slight, some slight perviness around the edges of these games for sure. <laughs> um. they're, they're actually like they're not too bad on that front, but that's like the probably the most egregious example. It's like, yeah, oh, here's yeah. your here's your dead mentor reappearing um, in very tight clothing. Uh, have, <laughs> have fun, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, so, like, I'm, again, not a bad game. A really important part, like, introduces lots of threads which are key to the the whole series, to, to this whole trilogy really working. Um, yeah, as for my favourite case, uh, it has to be the last case for me. I really like Farewell, my turnabout. Um, it feels like it's this big epic thing that someone's been kidnapped. You know, the reason you're defending someone is because you're being threatened by a kidnapper. You know, it feels big, exciting. It feels quite sort of cinematic. Like it isn't really attached as much to like the ongoing story, so it's a bit more sort of standalone. Like it's, I, I think it's quite impressive the kind of drama and the kind of um, how sort of momentous it feels in the moment, given that it isn't part of like the overall arc as much. You know, it doesn't. You know, the the, the the last case of the third game, which we'll get to in a bit, has a similar like big finale energy, but then it feels like the finale to like three games worth of stuff. This kind of does a similar thing, but without the lead in, which is quite impressive. Also, I really like the character of Shelley DeKiller, um, who's quite a strange kind of sort of assassin figure in the world of Ace Attorney. He crops up a couple of times. Mm, yeah, I was fond of that case. It definitely felt like. Um quite ambitious and then has some big swing sort of twists as well um mm. yeah and i like the i like how they expand the um, steel samurai universe you've got like the jamming ninja and the nickel samurai you know it's it kind of plays on that stuff yeah i love that i love that um there's a kind of theme in these games for sure so what's your number five matthew so my five i'm gonna say like my f- five to f- five to two are actually slightly interchangeable like i'd say the top five of these i would just recommend playing them all uh, five is Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney Spirit of Justice. I thought you would have this higher, actually, but um, just well, based on what you said about it previously. I don't know. Maybe it's just because Great Ace Attorney Chronicles is, is kind of a bit more present in my mind. I don't know. This is yeah, Ace Attorney 6. For me, this is just the one where they, they like, f- Yamazaki and, and co. finally nailed it. And I thought it was going to be a disaster because the, sort of the pitch of this one is that they, they go and visit this sort of foreign country of Korean, which is attach, attached to the, the, the Korean spirit channeling, which is what the, the, the Faye family practice. And on paper, the idea of like characters go to a foreign country is a little bit like movie special of a British sitcom. You think, oh, God, is it just going to be kind of like, you know, a little bit like in between is an Ibiza or something? <laughs> But it really refreshed it for me. I thought I thought this was great. Like you go to this, you go to this this sort of um, 
yeah, this foreign country where the, they basically don't have a, a, a defense attorneys. Their 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 court culture has evolved that they don't have a defense attorneys because um, in a in a delicious twist, if you do defend a guilty party, uh, you suffer the same punishment as them. So if you don't win, you you get the death penalty too. So basically, it stopped there being any any defense attorneys and. It sounds really dumb, but it adds like a real charge to it. Like Phoenix Wright feels completely out of his depth. It introduces another gimmick to the series, but it is the gimmick I like, which is divination seances, which is where you get to see the moment of death through the eyes of the victim. So it basically they, they use this spirit channeling to make that vision appear in a pool, and then you have to find the contradictions there. When you look at this vision you can sort of see all the different senses like what they can smell and hear and uh, touch and i don't know that extra texture just gave them like a few more things to play with in terms of like how they constructed some of the murders there's a case that like really like where the seance is at the heart of 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 the whole case and it's it's brilliantly done like i really liked i I thought this was the one gimmick which actually really added something do you think that a big a big thing the change between dual destinies and this is because by having the big change of setting there's less of a feeling like phoenix wright is playing the hits a bit it's, it's sort of weird because you play as phoenix wright apollo justice and athena sykes so all of their gimmicks come in but they they kind of get smaller cases that sort of fit their tone right it feels more like a direct sequel to apollo justice one it's kind of about apollo justice's story this game in a way that I felt uh, Ace Attorney 5 didn't really deliver on. For my money, it, it has the energy of the original Ace Attorney trilogy in that it's kind of doing its own thing, but it, it brings all these strands through. Um, yeah, I really like this this foreign country uh, element to it. Uh, even like Athena Sykes, like the, the realisation of that character is much stronger in this game. Some people have beef that there's a fourth case in this, which is like super japan specific in that it's all about rakugo which is this sort of form of storytelling where a performer does like does lots of voices it's kind of a a very japanese specific tradition that we obviously don't have over here and it's one of those things that i think in the old days they just they would have said that just wouldn't work in the west like we wouldn't translate it you know we're talking about a series that used to translate whatever noodles to hamburgers and things because they thought people wouldn't understand that mayor ate other foods um, in japan but this case is kind of wild and it is it's not hard to play but it's definitely harder to get your head around because it's about this very specific japanese storytelling technique my favorite case is the last case turnabout revolution I won't say what it does, but it has this juicy bit of fan service. You get to do something which you don't get to do in any other Ace Attorney game, which which I really enjoyed. And it's got an absolute doozy of a twist, which is the only time I've played an Ace Attorney game which it genuinely got me. And I was like, oh shit, okay, fair play to you. That's why it's such a shame that Yamazaki's left, because he really, like, he just nailed it in this one. Reading of the behind the scenes of these games, so a couple of things I noted from the um, Dual Destinies behind the scenes was that they had announced that they were making this um, fifth entry at a 10th at a, a anniversary event for the series um, in 2011. And like the fan response was like massive. And so they were suddenly incredibly <laughs> nervous about delivery. <laughs> right, yeah. And like, um, what I found interesting as well is they felt like phoenix was the hardest character to nail down in terms of writing because he's because he's less kind of like um wacky he's a bit more the straight guy in these situations it's a bit harder to capture his voice which i wonder if um maybe ties in with your criticism of that first game matthew but um do you feel like they kind of nailed the phoenix character a bit better in this one 
Yeah, definitely. And I think it's because they put him, you know, because he's suddenly out of his depth again. You know, the problem the problem with him by the time you get to Ace Attorney 5 is that he is super accomplished. You know, he's like the mental figure to Apollo Justice. And then all of a sudden he's in this place where he's back to like, like he's dealing with this weird sort of spiritual magic, which doesn't really make any sense to him. You know, he's going to die if he loses. And it actually kind of puts him on the back foot, which is where that character is at his best, because, you know, he's grimacing and he's sweating and he's panicking. And he does do a bit of that in five, but they, they can't really justify him being like a bad lawyer in five. And they do a much better job of it in six. OK, great stuff. So what's your number four, Matthew? My number four, uh, I've slotted in Great Ace Attorney Chronicles here, which I've obviously talked about at great length. Uh, I mean, maybe I haven't had time to digest it properly and it might slip below Spirit of Justice. I don't know. I'm sort of umming and ahhing about that a bit. But yeah, uh, you know, a a glorious return for Chu Takumi, a really fun historical setting. I love the the interplay with with the the Sherlock Holmes character. Really good music as well. Yeah, I had a great time with this. But you know this because you've been listening to this podcast. Absolutely. So what's your favourite case for this one, Matthew? Or do you think it's too Ooh. soon to say? There's a case called The Adventure of the the Runaway Room. And I won't say like how it works, but it very cleverly brings like the investigation portion into the courtroom. Um, so it's like a trial investigation at the same time. It's, it's pretty neat. Mm, God damn, I want to play this game now. But... Um... There's uh, so many hours to set aside. So, uh... <laughs> okay. So, what's your number three, Matthew? Professor Layton versus Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, I feel like this was a significant game for you career-wise. Obviously, you did that cover, yeah, and, and it meant a it meant a lot to you. Um, but uh, yeah, you, obviously, this combines two sort of like DS staple series. They were kind of like um, I think. Uh, uh, Hino, the level five guy, saw them as like contemporaries, but in a way that maybe Takumi didn't. Um, and then mm. finally, they kind of combine in this um, quite elaborate 3DS game. So, um, why don't you like explain a bit more about what this one actually is? Because it, it, on paper, it does look a bit weird that these two games were kind of collided. Yeah, this is uh, yeah a mashup of Professor Layton and and Ace Attorney. Professor Layton being a series of logic puzzle games on DS that did really well. I would imagine professor layton series has sold a lot better than ace attorney i mean professor layton was massive on the ds they're like mystery games but they weren't detective games like they mechanically they weren't about solving a crime you know they were stories that unfolded and you solve kind of logic puzzles as you go along to push the story along what they kind of do by bringing these characters together is they keep sort of phoenix right in the courtroom and professor layton almost kind of takes care of the investigation period that's why i put this up quite highly because as i've said the investigation sections of the ace attorney games are are my least favorite bit of them and here it it just became a professor layton game which i quite liked you know you're walking around solving puzzles they're just a bit more interesting to me i think and then phoenix wright was just in his element in 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 a courtroom the kind of setup of this is that professor layton meets this this mysterious girl who claims to be from a city of witches where uh, and she's being pursued by magic after some various events. Both Professor Layton and his sidekick Luke and Phoenix Wright and Maya find themselves in this this magic city called Labyrinthia. And between them, they have to basically solve the mystery of, of what the deal is with this place. And that's Professor Layton walking around, sort of sniffing out clues, trying to kind of break everything down logically. And it's Phoenix Wright trying to... Um, 
sort of try cases in a in a kind of medieval court. It's like a medieval society where they're more like witch trials. So he's up against like multiple witnesses at once and they're all kind of arguing with each other it's quite kind of chaotic it feels like a, a precursor to great ace attorney like i just get the impression uh, well it's more of an impression and he has said this that you know in making this game he he saw that like ace attorney could work outside of its modern setting that actually what's important to an ace attorney game is that the rules are really clear of of the universe you know as long as the rules are clear you can look for contradictions no matter how different the universe is so here it's it's how do you solve cases in a world where magic is possible and he just very cleverly lays out the rules of magic in in this world very clearly early on and it's about trying to find the contradictions within that rule system which is really no different to what he does in grace Ace attorney which is he lays out the rules of what you know victorian society was like what tech was available and you have to play within that knowledge set um so you can see the through line there this was just i mean amazing fan service to see these two universes mashed up the stuff they do with music in this game is incredible because they just take all the classic ace attorney themes but then they play them on like professor Layton instruments so it's all like fiddles and accordions and stuff and it's it is so good. I mean, this game is like, <laughs> I gave it like a, a 90, I think, in O&M. Like, I would have just given the sa- that for the soundtrack alone. Like, it, it cheers me up no end. I still listen to it on Spotify or YouTube or whatever. Like, it finds middle ground between these two series. That's what's interesting about The Wataras, is they are different games. They're quite different places. And the challenges of, like, bringing them together without one trampling over the other and finding, like, compromises and art styles and things like that. And they do all that, but they also play on their differences. You know, the sort of Phoenix Wright is the kind of chancer who scrapes through Professor Layton's very sort of meticulous and thinks everything through logically and the kind of interplay there is just is is really really well done i will say like your mileage will vary on this one depending on how you feel about professor layton if you fucking hate professor layton like put this down in the rankings like three three or four spots um but if you are into him it's 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 such a fun like study of those two characters do you think that um putting Phoenix Wright in a different sort of like um, fictional universe essentially makes the weight of the cases uh, sort of, does it change the weight of the cases at all? Do you still get the same big swing reveals and twists and stuff? Yeah, the the pacing of them, like they're clearly written by the same person, you know, Shutakumi, like that's the other important thing. This is Shutakumi's return to the Ace Attorney universe. You know, he hasn't done one since Apollo Justice comes back, you know, it feels like one last job. Um, it's yeah i i would say so like the the drama of the case you know what's going on in the case you know breaking people down getting that break moment in on the witness stand is is still very prevalent um if anything it's because it's so sort of unreal this sort of town with magic in it like he's he's probably out of his depth you know more than ever before and that really works like that character the the phoenix Wright character just becomes better and better like the more panicked and screwed he is because it's all about that like resilience when he kind of punches back through also shutakumi wrote like the overarching story of the whole thing as well he really um delivers like a classic professor layton bullshit ending as well (laughs) um, which i really really appreciate great stuff so what's your favorite case in this one matthew it's called the golden court it's kind of hard to talk about it without spoiling it but uh, a person has been turned into a gold statue and you have to work out the rules about 
this sort of alchemy that has occurred around this character and who the guilty party would be. I mean, quite hard to break down without spoiling it. Um, so you just have to play it for yourself. Although I will say, good luck with that, because this game is basically a nightmare to buy a physical copy of. Like, And so it's basically like a 40, uh, 40 quid full whack 3DS download or bust. Yeah, I got a physical copy and it. Uh, I think I got just a cartridge and that cost me a pretty penny just to get that. But um, And that was like a few years ago too. Down the line, I think this is going to be worth a lot. It's super, super hard to come by. Mm. Can you not play this on anything else either, Matthew? It's not on um, phones or anything? Just 3DS, because it's like Nintendo published it. So this, this is the one which isn't on Android. Ah, uh, well, there you go. Um, that will uh, never re-emerge, I'm sure. So, um, let's go to your number two, Matthew. What's, uh, what's made the cut here? Let's go all the way back to the beginning. Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney. Great stuff. Um, original and best. Well, not best. best. <laughs> Literally not the best. That's the point <laughs> of the list. <laughs> well, there you go. You found the contradiction in my testimony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. The whole crowd cheers, you know. Yeah. Woo, and the music kicks in. <laughs> Matt Castle is put to death. And that is <laughs> oh, well, I can't believe you're executing me over some semantics. <laughs> Should I give you a break from this one, Matthew, and talk a bit about it? Yeah, please do. Yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts. The game sets up this um, this premise of you know you are this like rookie uh, ace attorney, sorry rookie attorney, and then you are being um, mentored by uh, Mia Fey, a sort of more experienced um, uh, sort of like attorney, and then essentially you are kind of going through the paces of your first case, and then she is killed off in the second case, which um, is something that um, he's talked about as like. Um, a kind of uh, an almost a, a, a decision he almost like walked into because he originally intended for the the mentor case to come first, and then obviously because it flips, you kind of like get what you think is a status quo, and then Mia is removed from the game. She still reappears as like a kind of ghostly um, presence, but then you get the more familiar setup of um, Phoenix and Maya, and um, how and that kind of essentially shapes what the rest of the series would be. Mm. And I think I thought that was um, I thought it was a bummer that they killed off Mia so quick because I thought she was a great character and I did really like their dynamic. So yeah, I really um, I was really just kind of blown away by the the fact that this game sets up these very compelling mysteries and then it seemed um, perfectly suited to the DS, even though it was obviously a, a Game Boy Advance game. Just the way you could use the bottom screen to kind of scroll through your evidence mm. and, in order to find contradictions and stuff. I think like um, when they were sort of figuring out the shape of what the cases looked like and how to keep it exciting, there was originally a like you would hear the entire testimony of you know someone and then point out the contradictions at the end, and they realised that wasn't satisfying. But it's much mm. more dramatically satisfying to have to go through it line by line and point out well here's a contradiction here and here's a contradiction here, and then to slowly pick the case apart. And I think yeah that that pacing stops it from being kind of like a languid. And um, I think the cases in this game are just incredibly strong. I don't think there are any weak links other than maybe the DS game um, exclusive one they added at the end is a little bit, yeah. it does feel a bit more bolted on. Yeah. But, um, I mean, it's unfortunate because, yeah. you know, you have the beginning of this, you know, wider sort of series arc or, you know, the, the, the relationship between uh, Wright and Edgeworth kind of underpins this game. And then, yeah, then you get this fifth case where, where, it, it it feels less so, you know. It, it is kind of kind of crammed in. I still think it's a sort of solid, a solid enough case though. And I like the um, uh, introduction of like Emma Sky, the, the the sort of the forensics character. Um, she goes on to be in some of the later games as well. Um, and how do you feel about the DS mini games? 
Uh, I quite like the um, uh, fingerprint thing and like yeah. blowing into. To be honest, this was the only game where I ever used the microphone to do the objection stuff because I really, oh, really. Well, well, yeah. I mean, I was like, you know, eighteen and very excited about uh, this silly gimmick, <laughs> and so the fact that you could say take that or objection, I was doing it every single time, which must have wow. been incredibly annoying for the, my parents. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I was. I re- I just really dug it. I think like. Um, because as a player, I felt like uh, interacting in that way sort of increased my investment in the drama, even though it was fundamentally quite silly. In later games, I would just tap the button. Um, but yeah, no, I, I really liked that. I thought that the um, I thought that the way this introduces the different um, supporting characters is very effective. Like characters who would you know pop up again and again, like Larry Butts and uh, Will Powers, and you know it just um like you say very confidently builds out this universe like um you do see mm. all these different corners of it and um yeah i uh yeah i just uh, i think it kind of kind of nailed it from the off that's that's very much my sort of vibe on it as well i mean i rate this so highly you know i really like miles edgeworth as a prosecutor i think he's a really really important part of the of the the phoenix Wright universe yeah, I just didn't really know what to expect with this one when I first played it. You know, obviously I had the the broad strokes of it, which is why I bought it. But to see how it had this like big anime energy to it, but also quite kind of heartfelt characters, um, it feels really coherent as a universe. Like there isn't a character that kind of takes you out of it. Everyone they they all believably exist in this place, and you get this idea that there could be a world beyond it, and it's very kind of everything there is very very true to it and i guess that is just because it all comes from shutakumi you know he kind of he he, he kind of f- f- for for all the kind of chaos of how he actually structures it and builds it out it comes from sort of some innate personality of his which you know it just runs through everything yeah i just love how complete complete it is really you know, this one's up so high. It may be down lower at other times, um, just because I, you know, replayed it recently and yeah, it was just struck again with just how how awesome all those characters are. I mean, this game obviously introduces all the musical themes again. And I keep talking about the music, but the 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 kind of iconic themes of this and the way that different kind of composers play on them. You know, it's all because they they nail this set here in in the earliest games. Um, such affection for them. Like whenever I hear those tunes, like I'm just instantly back into the different mindsets of the different parts. It's really, really energizing. My favorite case, though, is probably case four. So the original end of the game, maybe a bit of a cliched one, just because it's. Uh, uh, I don't know. Is it spoilers to talk about it now? I don't know. I feel like this is probably the safest one to discuss. It's like so widely played. So go for it. Yeah, yeah, this is uh, like, you know, after sort of facing off against Edgeworth for the game, this is Edgeworth on trial, classic uh, bit of sort of uh, character role flipping there. You're up against Edgeworth's mentor, Manfred von Karma, who, you know, has big end game boss energy, which is like a very Capcom thing, that there is a bigger prosecutor behind the other prosecutor, which is kind of just a funny idea in itself. It has a truly preposterous moment where you cross-examine a parrot it's so silly but it also the fact that it 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 does that without like derailing it completely you were like oh they can do so much in this world and they really do you know it's 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 so kind of confident in itself maybe some of my affection for this is just because i've read so much around it and i love that there is so much so many stories behind every tiny decision i love that he is able to 
pinpoint his creative process so accurately with it and it makes the whole thing very like endearing and kind of grounded to me i love that he you know you know the, the, the not just the structure of the cases but like the order they come in or why certain characters do what or the fact that the characters come back because of the technical limitations uh i just think this is this is a game which which is is you know like phoenix right itself i guess kind of you know made sort of against the odds but kind of does it does its best with everything and just comes out as this really sort of endearing kind of humane thing like it's very very easy to love this world uh, very very easy to love this character these characters yeah i think that uh, the tonal sort of range of these games is a big part of their appeal because like you say it gets incredibly silly but when it gets serious and dark it is very effective and it is dramatically satisfying and that's quite a hard thing to sort of pull off um, mm. let alone in a game that's got like limited animations and is mostly using text um i suppose as well this for so many people this would have been their first introduction to the um to, to like visual novels an idea mm. and um he um uh took uh, himself was inspired by some like um yuji hori kind of detective games right i mean i think that came up in the maybe that was just something Iwata put to him yeah i think the portopia serial kept murder case and things mm. like that yeah there is this yeah there is like a a healthy tradition of detective visual novels um definitely in japan it's great that they inspired him but i also like that he does kind of you know that is another reason he gives for the lawyer thing he just says that you know there's been too many detective games we have to do something different okay great stuff then the only last last question about this one then matthew is what's the best way to play it in your opinion for a long time i've always said i i, I love the you know the ds originals just because they are i don't really like the that they they do this hd sort of remaster um for ios which has just become the kind of the 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 art they now use for like subsequent re-releases uh, i have been replaying this on 3ds i've been playing that it was released as a trilogy quite like the, the 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 trilogy they released on switch more recently but there is a version on ds it has got the ios artwork which some of the characters look a little goofy or, or they lose a bit of um their sort of sharp sort of charms from not having the original sprites but as a kind of collection they're all there i quite like the 3d effect of just the sprite is ever so slightly raised above the co- the background and so they look a bit sort of sharper because of that um if you, if you can track down ds copies of the originals do, do that you can import them the japanese releases had the english localization on them too um so any version of this on ds will you can play in english yeah. Otherwise, yeah, that that 3DS download is is pretty neat. It, the, getting the original DS version will set you back about twenty five to thirty quid, so um, it's not too bad if you want to track that one down. But yes, Matthew, then let's go to your number one. Probably zero surprises here. It's often top of most people's charts. Uh, Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney Trials and Tribulations, aka Ace Attorney Three, the grand conclusion to the original Ace Attorney art, sort of delivers what I think a great TV series de- delivers in that it's established its characters well enough that it can sort of subvert them, have fun with them. It has this sort of weight of history behind it, which, you know, is played on in lots of cases. Uh, It's quite experimental with, like, flashbacks and callbacks. Um, There's two substantial cases in this, two of the five, where where you play as Mia Faye um, rather than Phoenix Wright. One, you're defending him as a student against the murder charge. A second one... 
Um, it's kind of more spoilery territory, um, but it's like an even earlier case where which kind of formed Mia's character. So, you know, this game as a sort of investigation of like her as well is quite interesting. Like you learn a lot more about her. She obviously gets bumped off pretty early in, in Ace Attorney 1. Yeah, and it just sort of snowballs into this this final case, which for me is the kind of peak of the series in bringing together all these strands in this just really satisfying moment of victory. Has this absolutely amazing musical callback to the first game. Like, if you've just played through it all and you're invested in these characters, I just think this game, like, it lands in such a big way because of the overarching story. I don't know if the individual cases are, like, any better or worse than one or twos, really. Mm. Um, but it just has that extra layer, which I think it really delivers. It does require you to have played the other games. And that's something in games that doesn't happen as often. You know, that there's not many people who make a game be that dependent on having played other things. It doesn't happen as often in sort of sequel work. And, you know, it's 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 what I liked in Great Ace Attorney as well. Like, the interplay between one and two was, was really neat. Yeah, here, just... Because it's three games, he's just he's, he's got like a lot more to play with, and for someone who doesn't f- like forward plan, it's it's a pretty amazing bit of like seat of your pants plot construction. Mm, okay, great stuff. Well then, I think we've basically uh, knocked off the entire series. So, Matthew, any closing thoughts? Oh, that's it. Yeah, that's all those games. <laughs> I hope that was interesting because I know they're all like sort of the same <laughs> i think if anyone's like me where they've um, played a bunch of them but maybe not all of them that's like a, a particularly useful list i think in terms of how to think about them um yeah i mean it really does seem like a series that hinges on like um on writing and ideas more than anything else like um that that's part of its magic it's like a writer's get shutakumi is like like the writer's game dev yeah absolutely yeah so Fingers crossed we see um, new games in, in that series pop up. But um, yes, thank you very much for listening. Matthew, thank you so much for um, you know uh, taking us through another series where you're the um, you know a genuine expert. It's uh, <laughs> Yeah, it, we won't be doing this again for a while, I don't think. <laughs> you need a, your vocal cords need a rest, I think. So, um, yeah, my yeah. cords of steel. We'll do, um, we'll do top 10 Mario games in 2023. Give Matthew a little yeah. break. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. Slip. okay great thank you very much for listening um if you'd like to follow us on twitter it's backpage pod on twitter if you'd like to email us a question to read out on this podcast we're backpagegames at gmail.com and um yeah please do drop us an email if you like this podcast and you're on apple Podcasts, please do leave us a review that always helps in terms of um us finding a new audience and growing a little bit and uh, we'll be back next week with uh, a podcast about the games we've been playing in 2021 so far so thank you very much for listening and we'll be back next week bye for now (laughs) 